0: Greetings, church. Welcome again to another weekend of online church. But things are happening. Uh, This season of the coronavirus is coming to some kind of transition, and we don't know exactly how long it's going to take. You're going to hear more about that as this uh, online service progresses. But it is happening. The change is coming back. We are going to be moving back towards something resembling normal. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'm quite ready to go back to normal. I don't know if what was normal and good in the past is going to be normal and good enough for the future. So let us look to the Lord and begin this worship time with a little bit of prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, I come before you and I ask for one thing and one thing only, outright revival in the church. I pray that this time of uh, withdrawing and being by ourselves, with our families, with those with whom we are sheltering in place, or even, Lord, if we've been alone for these many months, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be bringing revival. I pray that it would bring it first to our hearts, to our homes, to our families, Lord. Bring it to Agora Bible Fellowship. Bring it to the entire Canal Valley. We lift up the other churches in this area and pray for revival in their congregations. Let there be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit over this entire area, over our state, over our nation. And Lord, if it is your will, let, outbreak, uh, let an outbreak of revival happen all over this earth. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus over whom all of this falls under authority. Jesus, have your way as churches open their doors. Let the people of God rise up and with one voice praise your holy name We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, church, we pray. Amen.
1: Thank you worship team for leading us and i think it's so appropriate for us to slow down a little bit and center ourselves back on jesus christ our hope our center our constant Uh, it's been a really uh, interesting week with just so much disunity in our country and wanted to just take a a moment just to uh, pray just before we continue in our service if you wouldn't mind joining me Lord Jesus, we just come to you and just our hearts break even just watching some of the things play out with the disunity as it relates to politics, opinions on uh, things with the coronavirus, on some of the prejudices that are still seen and evidence of uh, racism that I know just absolutely breaks your heart. It's so far from your desire for unity within the church God, I want to specifically uh, pray for George Floyd's family just as they're dealing with this loss for his community uh, that's still just screaming for justice. God, I just pray that you do the work behind the scenes that only you can do, taking something uh, miserable and turning it for good. I thank you that you have a heart for justice, that you have a, a heart for mercy, and we can cling to you through even difficult times like this. God, we pray for you to do a work that this might even be a season of uh, this between the, the the virus time at home, between some of the disunity in the country, that people would get to a place where they were just fed up, God, that this might be a, a catalyst for coming to you, God, the only one that can fix the mess that our world is in. God, uh, we thank you for your constant, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your love for all of us, God. We ask now that you'd be at the center of the remainder of our time, that you'd be with Josh as we begin this new series. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, church, I wanted to give you just a few uh, updates as things happening within the, the body here. I'm so grateful, extensions of unity that I've seen even within the church, and wanted to answer some of the questions that people might have about what's going on in the uh, upcoming as far as the church opening As you can imagine, in a church our size, there's a lot of different perspectives. And so we've been as a leadership team trying to, as best as we can, come up with a plan that really cares for everybody uh, in our church, and so uh, we've sent out just to gather some more information. We sent out a survey this week, we a digital survey that we'd love for you to take a few minutes to fill out. It gives us a better sense of uh, the perspective that everybody has going into this. But we have planned to continue uh, for the immediate future to do an online service that we send out to you every single week. We really hope that's been a blessing to you thus far. So we continue plan to continue that, uh, but then starting on June the fourteenth. That's uh, two Sundays from now. We're actually gonna have our first time where we gather back on the campus. And uh, we're doing, uh, working hard to really make sure we're following local guidelines. There's a lot of different uh, hoops to jump through, making sure that we're okay with our insurance carrier. You can imagine a lot of different things we have to think through. Uh, But we're excited because we believe our campus really is designed to accommodate uh, a group that can really be in different venues that can really uh, meet people where they're at. Uh, For those that are coming back, the parameter is going to be that they have 100 people that can be on our campus. And so depending, we're going to do online registration for those services, and depending on how many people register, we'll determine if we have one or two services on a Sunday morning. If it's two, then it'll just be the normal times of 9 and 1045. If it's one service, we'll just do a 10 a.m. service. And the plan is to have three different venues on this campus where you can watch the service. One, uh, obviously, being in the worship center, we're going to have all the doors open, as much air moving through here as possible. A second venue for uh, the live services would be out in the courtyard, where you have that large screen and opportunity for people to be outside. And then a third venue being in the well, which has, if you remember, those huge doors that open and kind of create it to be like an indoor-outdoor space. So we're doing our best in the next couple of weeks to get all of these things set up. Next weekend, on the weekend of the 7th, we're doing a staff and elder walkthrough on the Sunday to see what a service would feel like. We're trying to take as many safety precautions. We really want to set the table for this to be an amazing experience coming back as we ease back into some degree of normal. So that's the latest update. I would be grateful for your continued prayers as we're trying to move forward with caution and with wisdom in this area.
2: Well, hey, church, I've got a couple announcements for you, but I first wanted to just take a moment to let you know that our Compassion Church that we partner with in Ecuador and Bolivia, they are doing just great right now. They wanted to tell you that they are safe and they are healthy. Their families are doing well, and they're eternally grateful for ABF and the support that we've been able to show them as they've been advancing the Great Commission. They are asking that we would join them in prayer for an end to COVID-19 so that both their countries, that they can return to normalcy and um, just continue in their ministries. So I just want to say a big thank you to all the families that are supporting all those children of Compassion International in Bolivia and Ecuador. Thank you so much for that. Well, hey, another way that we can be serving in our local community is through the Caneo Valley Meal Program. We've got another one of those coming up on June 8th. It's over at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Thousand Oaks. And you can sign up online to bring sack lunches or sign up to bring one of the meal items that they'll be serving that evening. And as you can imagine, this will influence so many families that are in desperate need in our community. Well, I know a lot of you have been jumping into these Zoom meetings each week. And if you haven't been, we want to see you there. So join us this week. We have uh, Zoom groups for men, women, youth groups. Please join us, it's a great way to connect. And I know our women's group, man, we are just enjoying our time together and going deep spiritually. So hope you'll show up and meet us there. Well, hey, we have so appreciated the ongoing generosity of our church community. We are so thankful for how you've been giving. And a few of the different ways that you can continue giving to ABF is just online or through our app, or you can just mail in a check to the church. Thank you so much for just your support over this time. Well, hey, kids, I have a question for you. Do you love your pets? Because we've got an amazing challenge coming up for you. Our next challenge is called Best Dressed Pet. And so, what I need you to do is grab your pet and put a costume on them. Maybe even put a costume on yourself and take a bunch of selfies and send them into me. We can't wait to see what's going on with your furry friends. You want to see a couple of mine? I've got Bailey and Buns. Take a look. Speaking of dressing up, our ABF kids got into their costumes this week to share the story of baby Moses and the Israelites so that we can help Josh kickstart our new series as we're going through the book of Exodus. So may I remind you that we made this video in quarantine with like miles of social distancing. So here it is.
3: This is Egypt, but what happened? When Joseph brought his family here, they were all doing well. Now, the Israelites are working like slaves. Apparently, the new Pharaoh, who had forgotten all about Joseph and what he had done for this country, was afraid of the Israelites, for they had grown in number and were very successful and strong. The new Pharaoh and Egyptians despised the Israelites. Pharaoh has done a terrible thing, Miriam. He has passed a law that every Hebrew baby boy be killed. Even my little brother. What can we do? We must hide him. I need your help. They hid the baby in the house for a few months, but baby Moses grew bigger, taller, and noisier all the time. It became impossible to keep him quiet and hidden any longer. Every day, the baby's mother prayed and asked God to spare Moses his life from Pharaoh's wrath, but. God had even bigger plans for Moses. He was not about to let him perish in Pharaoh's hands. Instead, God gave Moses' mother an idea. We need to do more than just hide Moses, Maria. I know Pharaoh's daughter is without, is without child. Maybe if she sees Moses, she, she will want to keep him from eyes. So they made a basket and put baby noises inside it. Soon the Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, came out to the pool with her maiden. And the basket, as if guided by an invisible hand, floated directly towards them.
4: My cry, I shall be a mother and he shall be my son.
3: Miriam saw how everybody was excited. Moses would not be killed. Instead, he would grow up with wisdom in the Pharaoh's land. As if guided by God's own hand, Miriam walked up to the Pharaoh's daughter. O oh, kind daughter of Pharaoh, how blessed are you to have found a baby boy. Would you like me to find someone to take care of him till he has grown bigger and stronger?
5: He must be a Hebrew boy, and you are a Hebrew girl. Please find someone from your people who can take care of him. When he is weaned, he shall be my son, and I will name him Moses. But make sure no one finds out about
4: this.
3: So Miriam took Moses to his own mother, who took care of him until he was weaned. Then she gave Moses back to the Pharaoh's daughter.
4: God protected Moses from the pharaoh's
6: wrath. Is it really that easy for everyone to just accept What they've been telling us is what he thought as he was walking home from an exceptionally rough day at work. He'd actually been struggling with that thought for a while, especially since he had gotten the news. See, he desperately wanted to trust his family and the things that they'd been telling him since he was a little boy. But on the other hand, the story just seemed impossible. I mean, his life was hard, hard. Like a difficulty that you and I, can't even understand. His entire life, the only thing he knew were miserable living conditions and even more miserable working conditions. Literal slavery. I don't blame him for having doubts. The story was so far-fetched. The idea that his great uncle used to be second in command, that's crazy. But that wasn't even the hardest part for him to swallow. He could not comprehend how everybody else just went along with the idea that their God was any different from any of the other gods, that their God had any real power, that their God was going to keep his promises to give them land, to make them into this great nation. How is that going to work with the baby laws? He concluded that they just needed hope and they were willing to believe anything. Personally, as for him, he felt alone. He couldn't imagine the idea of bringing a little baby girl into this world. That thought was terrifying to him. But even more terrifying, what if it was a boy? Well, hopefully you picked up a little bit of what was going on there in that story. Um, For those of you that are still completely lost, it's okay. That is not a Bible story that you've just forgotten over time. Uh, That's a completely fictional story that I made up um, from the perspective of Moses' father. Uh, Does anybody know Moses' father's name? Uh, Go ahead and say it at home if you know it. Jethro would be incorrect. Uh, Jethro was actually Moses' father-in-law. That's actually where my mind went uh, initially when I was thinking about Moses' dad. Moses' dad's name was Amram. We actually don't know a ton about him. And uh, actually, just a little disclaimer, I'm not even claiming that I know that that's how it went. I think it's quite possible Uh, that Amram was this man of incredible, unwavering faith. Uh, Really, my purpose for sharing that was, one, stories are just fun and cool, right? Like, how good was it to see the little kiddos telling the story of Moses uh, in that video? But also just wanted to bring you into the situation, bring you into what was going on. For Amram and his world, I'm sure that he had heard about the famine, I'm sure that he had heard about his great uncle Joseph being second in command of the entire country of Egypt. I'm sure he'd heard about God and the promises that he had for their people. However, his current reality was just so, so harsh. Most likely he had lived his entire life in slavery. And at the moment, his wife is pregnant. They don't know the gender of the baby, but they do know that if it's a boy, he could easily be killed upon birth. Uh, Personally, I just envisioned myself in his shoes and tried to bring the story to life with how I would probably be feeling if I were him. And I'm going to use that as just a little introduction for where we're starting as we start the book of Exodus. If you've been with us for a few months, uh, a couple months ago, we went through the book of Genesis, and now we're picking up in the very next book, Exodus. Exodus. Um, So Exodus was written by Moses back in the 15th century BC, tells the story of Israel's exodus or exit out of uh, slavery and exit out of Egypt. It also tells the story of their leader, Moses. Uh, So if you caught that, Moses is both the author and one of the main characters in the book, uh, which could be a little conflict of interest. But one of the things that I love about Moses' authorship is he's pretty raw and real. He does not take out the bad stuff about him, and uh, it's pretty sweet. I think you're gonna like it as we dive in. A couple other things that you're gonna see as we go through the book of uh, Exodus, uh, we really see God as the redeemer and the promise keeper. How he keeps his promise to Abraham, which was made back in the book of Genesis, to give Abraham's descendants land, to make them a great nation, and then to bless all other nations through them. And this is all despite a whole bunch of opposition from Israel's enemies and Israel themselves. Uh, Let's pray, and we're gonna dive into chapter one. Let's pray. Dear Father, um, Lord, just thank you for a time to get into your word. Um, Lord, I pray that you would bring uh, this story of The Exodus, that you'd bring this story of chapter one to life. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us about your character and who you are um, through this study. Lord, I pray that you'd get me out of the way. I'm thankful for a chance uh, to be here today. Uh, We love you. We give this time to you. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So go ahead, grab your Bibles, phones, tablets, whatever you use to get into God's word, and flip over to Exodus chapter one. That is the second book in the Bible. Uh, there is not going to be a competition today. I know some of you really enjoyed the competition last time I was up here. But I know that also I was the start of a lot of fights. Uh, I was the source of groundings in the home. And I know that there's a number of dads out there that shamelessly just defeated their children in the competition, uh, which I kind of approve of. Um, but we're not going to have a competition today. So I apologize if that offends you. Uh, we're just going to dive into God's word. So go ahead and take a look. We're going to catch a quick recap in verses one Through seven. Verse number one These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. So here in these first few verses, we get a good refresher of what was going on at the end of the book of Genesis. We see Jacob or Israel and his entire family moved to Egypt in order to survive the famine that was going on. Joseph was already there. And if you remember the story from Genesis, his brothers, all those guys that were listed above, sold them into slavery, and through a really cool God story, ends up as second in command in all of Egypt, and ends up saving Egypt, the surrounding areas, and most of the known world. Really cool story, go and check it out if you haven't read that one recently. Jacob and all his family, as they moved down, there were 70 people, and they multiplied greatly. Now, greatly here uh, is a vast, vast understatement. They started with 70 men journeying into Egypt. Back then, they just counted the men. So 70 men journeyed into Egypt. And then about 400 years later, over 600,000 men journeyed out of Egypt. Their entire company totaled over 2 million people at the time of the Exodus. They are no longer just a family. They are now a nation. And how cool is that to see the Lord already beginning to fulfill his promises? Really, really cool. But as we continue, you're gonna see that it's not all happy. Uh, We're gonna see a rough new reality here starting in verse number eight. Now there arose a new king over Egypt the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Okay. So here we see there's a new King in Egypt He doesn't know the story of Joseph and how he saved the country. Instead, he just sees this large group of people. He feels threatened and he decides to make life tough on them and enslave them. However, they just keep on multiplying. When life gets tough, have babies. I think that's the the lesson that we can learn here. I think it's interesting hearing all this speculation uh, that's gonna happen here in the next seven to eight months of getting a little baby boom, some corona babies. Uh, I don't know if you saw this meme, but I thought it was hilarious that if indeed there is a baby boom after coronavirus, that it's gonna be all firstborns. Uh, very, very true and very funny. Um, I know the last few months have been, uh, have been pretty rough, but to be honest, for the vast, vast majority of us, absolutely nothing compared to what the people of Israel were experiencing. Uh, There are two words that stood out to me from this last section, the words ruthless and bitter. If you look at verse 13, it says, so they, talking about the Egyptians, ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and they made their lives bitter with hard service. Extremely, extremely rough conditions, rough living conditions, rough working conditions, literal Slavery, no rights whatsoever. Um, I can't even comprehend or begin to understand the type of life that they had to to live and had to deal with. As I was thinking about it for me, the roughest working conditions that I've ever had to deal with were the summer after my freshman year of college, I got a a job doing some land surveying. It's actually a really good job, Um, but it was hard or rough uh, because there was early mornings. I was on my feet a lot. Chicago summers were hot and humid. Um, but that's like the worst I could come up with. And even that, nothing compared to Egyptian summers, nothing compared to Taskmasters getting beat, all those things. Not even like a close comparison, but that's the worst I've got to deal with. Um, my worst living situation, I'd have to say, was probably my freshman year of college. Just kidding, Chris. Chris is sitting here. Chris and I were roommates our freshman year of college, and uh, it was magical. It was so great. Um, but we did have an issue, we did have one incident. So uh, I hate tuna. I hate tuna. Chris, on the other hand, likes tuna. And I came back to our dorm room one day to the nastiest smell in the world. Like it smelled like death mixed with like sweat mixed with like rotting like seafood. It was the worst. I look in the garbage can and there was a empty can of tuna that Chris had eaten and discarded in our trash can in the room. The room smelled so bad. Tuna smells Nasty, like nasty, nasty. I, uh, I grabbed the, the can of tuna, chucked it out in the courtyard, along with the rest of Chris's stash of tuna. He was so angry. Uh, we worked through it. It's like We're still friends, uh, but he had to work through that. Um, anyways, that's not a bad living situation. I know, I'm making light, but man, nothing compared. Uh, as far as the government and infringing on our rights and overstepping their bounds, like we don't know anything about that right? Okay, it's a joke. People, lighten up. Like We're having a good time here. We're all having a good time, Uh, regardless of what side you're on. uh, We're just having a good time here. You can laugh about that. That's fine. So I cannot overemphasize enough just how rough of conditions these people were living in. And just when they thought it couldn't get any worse, it gets worse. Take a look at verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives... One, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other Puah. When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. Why? So God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So I think we can all agree it definitely got worse. The king gave an order to all the labor and delivery personnel, to all the midwives to kill the baby boys. But fortunately, the midwives were not about it. We see there in verse number 17, it says that they feared God and they let the male babies live. However, the king sees that there's male Hebrew boys alive. He goes and asks the midwives what's going on with this and they just lie to him. And then... God blesses the midwives and gives them families of their own. It's a really interesting story uh, and kind of left me thinking, man, what do we make of this, of this whole story of everything that's going on? And my initial reaction was to read myself into the story and ask questions like, man, what does this mean for me? How can I apply this to my life? So initially I considered uh, transitioning into a study of when is it okay to disobey Or resist the government or authority, Um, just kind of felt like a relevant conversation to have, just kind of seeing um, what makes sense. Um, However, the more I dug into the passage, the more I prayed about it, the more I studied, I realized that this passage is not meant to be a study, a case study on that topic for a couple of reasons. First, if it was, I feel like it'd be really, really short um, yes, if the government tells you that you should kill babies, you should just not. You can go ahead, write that down uh, for, from now until forever. Uh, that is true. However, more importantly, I think if we focus on this issue, we actually miss the big picture of what's really going on. This passage is less about us and when we can resist authority, and it's more about God and his sovereignty. It's less about me trying to figure out what I need to do, and it's more about God doing whatever he needs to do in order to accomplish his ultimate plan. Honestly, uh, as I've been thinking through it, I actually think that it can be a little dangerous to overstate or to read too much into the midwife's role here, um, and potentially by association into our own personal role. Um, I think some might say, but Josh, if the midwives didn't do what they did and they had listened to Pharaoh, like baby boys would have died, like the whole story would have changed. Everything would have changed if the midwives did something different. And my question is, would it really have, would the big picture really have changed much if the midwives didn't do what they did? Take a look at verse 22 really quick. The last verse down there at the end of the chapter, it says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So here we see the game changes already pretty quickly. Pharaoh commanded all of his people. Now we're not just talking about the midwives anymore. We're talking about every single Egyptian being ordered by law to execute the Hebrew baby boys. Yet, the baby boys survived. The nation of Israel grew and grew and grew, despite the fact that the entire country of Egypt was out to stop that very thing from happening. Don't get me wrong, the midwives, I think, were amazing, amazing women. They acted on their convictions. The Lord blessed them. Uh, I think it's so sweet that Shifra and Puah, that they're honored and seen here in scripture because of the brave actions that they took. I don't want to take away from that. They played a great, great role. However, I would argue that they're unnecessary in the grand scheme of things. They are certainly not the heroes of the story. Uh, just recently, I finished watching The Last Dance, the documentary of the Chicago Bulls, and I know that there are plenty of out, of you out there that are so sick and tired of hearing about the Chicago Bulls, and I'm sorry. Man, imagine living with me. Like, I'm not even just putting on a show. My wife is a saint. Um, this is my life. Uh, so I just finished watching it, and uh, they actually made game six of the 98 finals into a movie. Really, it's just a high-definition showing of the game, with some cool like behind the scenes stuff, it's awesome. It's been so fun to like go back, relive my childhood, the glory days, uh, loving it. Um, I was watching the game and in the first quarter, Bill Wennington, one of our backup centers for the Chicago Bulls comes in the game and he plays a whopping four minutes. The only four minutes that he played in the entire game. Those four minutes are highlighted by a jump shot that he hits. He gets a little pass from Steve Kerr down on the baseline, squares up, hits a beautiful little jumper for two points to put the Bulls up by a score of 20 to 19. Great shot, great moment. Bill Wennington has no other stats in the game. No rebounds, no assists, no steals, no nothing. That's his only imprint on the box score in the entire game. The shot was nice, don't get me wrong, it was, but my question is this. What would have happened had Bill missed that shot, or even to a greater extent, what would have happened had Bill never played in that game or in the series? Would the Bulls have lost that series without Bill Wennington's contributions? And my answer to you would be a resounding, not a chance not a chance. Uh, let me remind you, they still had Michael Jordan, okay? They still had Mike. Um, and this is where the illustration gets a little dicey because I don't want to compare Michael Jordan to God. Um, and also, if I was doing this illustration the right way, the jazz would probably have to be like second graders for it to like all make sense. Uh, I mean, they might as well have been, right? Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Gosh, so good. Um, But Bill was a great, great role player, great role player. However, he was pretty insignificant in the outcome of the series. Bill, if you're ever watching this, we can be buddies. You're great. I would love to have your NBA career, just saying. Um, But pretty insignificant in the outcome of the series. Likewise, the midwives here, just role players, if the midwives had listened to Pharaoh, most likely a number of more of the Hebrew boys would have been killed. And I think that would have been sad. It would have been tragic, not great by any means. However, would this have drastically changed the outcome Of the nation of Israel? Would the nation of Israel then just disappear because the midwives decided to kill the boys instead of let them live? Would God's entire plan to make them a great nation have been doomed because the midwives made a different choice? Not a chance. Not a chance. Look at Moses. Despite all the laws, despite all the rules, despite the entire country of Egypt out to kill all the boys, Pharaoh's own daughter saves and cares and raises Moses. There is nothing that Pharaoh or anyone could have done to stop God's plan for his people, to make them into a great nation and to get them out of Egypt. Likewise, absolutely nothing can stop God's plan for His people and His church today, and I thought, man, that's such a fun, like, soundbite and like a good wrapping up of the story. And I was like, man, it feels so good to just like dwell on that and to just like leave it there. Like, let's pray it out and have a great week. Um, however, uh, I felt like that wasn't really covering the entirety of the story. Didn't really cover the big picture, if you will. Um, and man, as I've just kind of been working through it, just trying to figure out how to bring us all to the same place of seeing the big picture. And so, may I deliver some potentially uh, unpleasant truth uh, to us today, church? Um, although nothing or no one can stop God's plan for the church, which is absolutely true, we have no idea what God's short term plan entails. We have no idea what God's short-term plan entails. You and I are not guaranteed comfort and prosperity in this lifetime. The Lord makes no such promises to his followers. He actually promises the exact opposite. He promises us suffering. To turn our attention back to Moses's dad, Amram, and his generation, there were plenty of people that lived during that time that lived their entire lives, the entirety of their lives in slavery. In ruthless and bitter slavery. Still today, there are plenty of believers around the world that live their lives in ruthless and bitter conditions. I think of people in countries around the world like North Korea, the Middle East, China, Northern Africa, etc., etc. There are plenty of people in the world today that follow and love the Lord that are experiencing ruthless and bitter conditions. And maybe it's just me, but I actually don't think that it's a guarantee that we will always enjoy religious freedom here in this wonderful, wonderful country. Uh, I don't know if or when or what or how or how any of that looks or what it could look like, but I do know this. I do know that God is not up in heaven shaking in his boots thinking... Man, I really hope that the American church does not lose their religious freedoms. That would be such a damper. I don't know what I would do. I know for a fact he is not up there worrying about that detail. The health of the American church is not dependent upon the religious freedoms that we receive from our government. I'll say that again. The health of the American church is not dependent upon the religious freedoms that we receive from our government. Um, So I don't know where you guys have been. I don't know what worries have crept in. Um, I know people are in lots of different headspaces, but that is a truth um, that you can take to the bank. Even if the worst happens, even if we lose all our freedoms, we're not allowed to meet ever again legally. And I'm not saying that I want that to happen because I do not. But if it did, the church would not die the church absolutely would not die here in America. I actually think that the church would thrive. I think that we would experience renewed passion, that there would be renewed dependence and reliance upon the Lord. And I guarantee you that the Lord would sustain us through whatever came our way. I, uh, I don't have any details to point to, from Scripture, um, however, I am absolutely convinced that during that stretch of Amram and people in his generation, where they just lived their entire lives in slavery in Egypt, that God was not absent. He was not absent. I am confident that the Lord gave them exactly what they needed in order to get through. I started uh, with just kind of a little story about Amram, and I kind of actually envision. If I'm being honest, I kind of envisioned that walk home from work that day um, going very, very differently. Um, I'm sure he would acknowledge the difficulty and the brokenness that was present in his world and in his life. Um, However, I bet you he was absolutely remembering the big picture. I kind of think it went something like this. He had had another rough day at work, but the Lord was sustaining him. Lord was giving him everything that he needed. Despite the new baby laws, there were plenty of boys being born and surviving. Crazy. How does it make any sense? Sure he was nervous about his pregnant his wife's pregnancy and had no idea what would happen, no clue the outcome of things, but he did know a few things. He knew that God is good. He knew that nothing can stop the Lord's plan. He knew that God was clearly building the nation of Israel and that he was going to use their nation for his own purposes, whatever that looked like. And because of that, he could trust the Lord. He could trust with his son or daughter's life. He could give that over knowing that whatever the outcome, the Lord was trustworthy and good. Man, what a sweet, sweet perspective that is. What a sweet perspective that is for us today. Even though we can be unsure of the future, we can be unsure of the challenges that we'll face both individually and as a church. And by the church, I mean the worldwide church, I mean the American church, I mean our local church and here at ABF. We can be unsure of a lot of things. However, we can be so sure of a, a few things as well. We can be so sure of who our God is. We can be sure that his plan is the most important thing regardless of what that means for us personally we can be sure that he'll sustain us every step along the way and be content in whatever role he has for us and we can be really really sure that he is advancing his kingdom and that nothing can stop his ultimate plan that is seeing the big picture let me pray dear father this is not a, uh, a practical Christian living message. This is a worldview and how we view you message. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking to our hearts about how we view you, how we view your plan, how we view your church. Um, Lord, thank you that you choose to use us even though we are so insignificant, um, but yet you love us and you want to use us and you invite us into your plan. Father, I... Uh, I just pray for our hearts, I pray for our nation, I pray for the church in America. Um, Lord, would we be more concerned with your ways and your plan than our own comfort? Um, Lord, I pray that you'd be continuing to stir us up. Lord, that you would bring revival. Um, Lord, we welcome it and uh, we just uh, are excited to get alongside of whatever plan you have for us. Um, Lord, we offer ourselves to you again this weekend. Um, We need to come back and do that regularly. Um, We love you. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
5: There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone there was another in the fire standing next to me there was another in the waters holding back the seas should I ever need now I've been set free. There is a cross that bears the bird where another died for me. There is another in the fire. Oh my dad left the dead, that's for
4: dead
6: another in the fire with us. Whatever we go through, he's there with us, and he's going to accomplish his plan, no matter what. Uh, play your role as your best Bill Wennington, who I actually got to meet once, and uh, I'll have to show you the picture at some point. Um, but church, know that we love you. We care for you. If there's any way we can be praying for this week, let us know. We'll See you soon.